Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And it's like floodwaters against the dam. And when Jacob sees Rachel, Jacob feels that at last I found the replacement for my mother. And when Jacob kisses Rachel, the dam breaks loose. And the floodwaters that have built up of the sadness and the sorrow and the frustration and the what am I going to do and the insecurity, they all just come all rushing out. And he doesn't say a word, but he just cries loudly. He lifts up his voice and he weeps. Mm. Quite a meeting here at the the desert water cooler that day. (laughs) Now, while everyone is in a state of shock, total shock, Jacob seems to gain control and he stops his loud crying He kind of gets maybe his sobs syncopated or coordinated here, get him somewhat under control. And between the sobs, Rachel hears Jacob speak for the first time, and he tells her in verse 12, Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, that he was her Rebecca's son. She ran and told her. So Jacob speaks about his mother again and identifies himself as the son of his mother, Rebecca. He doesn't say I'm the son of my father, Isaac, but the son of my, my mother, Of course, why not? It's mother superior, that's who you talk about. And Jacob tells her that he's her first cousin. And as soon as Jacob gains control over his crying, he immediately begins this talk with Rachel. And he pours, it's like he's pouring out his life story to her, just like Rachel was his mother. I mean, poor Jacob. He's gone down the wrong path. He's looking to a relationship with Rachel to be a substitute for God. See, Jacob here is pouring out his heart to Rachel as a replacement for his mother. Jacob is giving his heart to Rachel as a replacement for his mother. And as Jacob is pouring out his heart to Rachel and giving his heart to Rachel, we could just hear God speaking in the person of wisdom and saying to Jacob the words of Proverbs 23, 26. We can just see God saying, oh no, Jacob, not to Rachel. My son, give me thine heart. And let thine eyes observe my ways. See, God's advice to Jacob at this point was, oh, Jacob, if you just would have let me be your God and you would just give me your heart, it's too painful to watch this. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Jacob, don't go giving your heart away like that. God's advice is, Jacob, keep your heart. But Jacob's saying, the Lord's not my God, therefore... I don't want God, I want a girl. <laughs> He's saying, you know, Jacob's saying, I don't want to kiss God, I want to kiss a girl. I don't want to pour out my heart to God, I want to pour out my heart to a girl like I did to my mother. I don't want to confide in God, I want to confide in a girl like I did to my mother. I don't want a God to comfort me, I want a girl to comfort me like my mother did. 
I don't want God to guide me. I want a girl to guide me like my mother did. I don't want God's voice to obey. I want a girl's voice to obey, just like Rebecca said, obey my voice. See, those were all things that God wanted to be to Jacob. God wanted to be to Jacob the one that Jacob poured his heart out to. God wanted to be to Jacob his confidant, his comforter, his guide, his God. But Jacob wanted a girl as a replacement for his mother to be all those things instead of God. And Jacob didn't want God telling him what to do. That was at the core of it. And because Jacob looked to a girl as a replacement for his mother instead of God, he's going to have a miserable life. And Jacob, what Jacob is doing here is so typical. Because like all of us, Jacob had and we have a great big hole in our heart. And when Jacob decided to not allow the Lord to be his God, Jacob turned to a girl to fill that big hole in his heart. And Jacob turned to a relationship with the girl to meet the needs that only God can satisfy. In his turn to a girl instead of God, Jacob lifts up his voice and he cries. But this is not going to be the last time that Jacob cries because of a girl. Because of a girl that can never meet the needs of his heart like God can. This will only turn to disaster as it does every time a person will not allow the Lord to be his God and turns to a relationship to meet the needs of the heart that only God can meet. And since Jacob doesn't want God telling him what to do, Jacob hasn't prayed like Eliezer prayed at the well. And since Jacob has not prayed, Jacob's not waiting on God. And Jacob has moved forward fast with his kiss. And that kiss said to Rachel, I want you right now. It reminds me of Kipling, Kipling, who was in India. He wrote a poem called uh, Certain Maxims of Haifas. It kind of applies to this right now situation here when he was watching a man get a wife. And he wrote about the man getting a wife like he was going to a bazaar to buy something. And here's his poem. It says, if it be pleasant to look on, stalled in the pack Sarai. Does not the young man try its temper and pace ere he buy? If she be pleasant to look on, what does the young man say? Lo, she is pleasant to look on. Give her to me today. (laughs) That's Jacob. (laughs) She's nice. She's nice. She's pleasant to look on. Give her to me today. No waiting on God. That's Jacob. He knows nothing about Rachel. He doesn't know anything about her. He's never spoken to her. All Jacob knows about her is what Kipling wrote. She's pleasant to look on. And Jacob wants, all Jacob wants is what Kipling wrote. Give her to me today. So Rachel, now we're going to switch now to Rachel. Where's Rachel feeling about this time? Lots of pressure. And this is very overwhelming for Rachel. She didn't expect this. And she's still recovering from the shock of it all. The mammoth exhibition of strength, the single-handedly moving the stone, the, the sheep, the unrestrained kiss of I want you today, the loud crying and sobbing like a baby, I mean, because he feels like he's found a replacement for his mother, and then the explanation that he's her first cousin. <laughs> so Rachel, okay, so what's your response, Rachel, to all this? What's your response? One word, verse 12, ran. <laughs> she doesn't say a word. Rachel just runs. She leaves the sheep. She runs her home. Her only response is, run, Rachel, run. <laughs> and as she's running, she's trying to process what's happened, what just happened. And as soon as she gets home, she tells her daddy, Laban, everything that just happened, including the kiss and the loud crying, 
I mean, I assume he told she told that. I don't know. But anyway, Rachel was, you know, Rachel thought, well, this is just another boring day, taking care of my father's sheep. And all of a sudden, Rachel feels as though Jacob has just dropped a heavy load in her lap and she can't deal with it. She runs. But as Jacob stands there and he watches Rachel run away, we can imagine Jacob wanting to cry out, wait, don't run away. Don't leave. I need you. I need you very much. Don't run away. And Jacob is thinking, no, I don't want her to run away from me. I have deep heart needs. I need her to stay with me and not run away. I didn't kiss her so that she could run away. And as Jacob watches Rachel run away, Jacob feels disappointment and he feels disillusioned. And this is just the start of Jacob's disappointment and disillusion. Because Jacob is going to find that the wife that he hoped would replace God will fail him. And many people find the same disappointment and disillusion when they try to replace God with another human. And when Jacob kissed Rachel, Jacob hoped that with Rachel, he could build a home, a nest, really nice nest of peace, you know, shalom in the home, you know, security, and just a replacement for God. But God, in his mercy, allowed Jacob's home to become a place of frustration, of arguing, of anxiety, continual conflict. And what did that do to Jacob? Drove him to God. So that in the end, Jacob will learn God cannot be replaced by another human. And when it says in verse 12, she ran. And so it reminds me of my friend Reuben, a Jewish believer who... um, just got back from Israel, Israeli, he's Israeli, and he lives here. But anyway, he got back from Jerusalem last week, and he has two brothers over there, and he wanted so much to bring his brothers to the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, they won't listen to him. You know, they, every time he says that, they say, Meshuggah, Meshuggah, you know, <laughs> crazy, crazy, you know. And so he was thinking, he really wanted to, to bring him to the Lord Jesus. He goes, I know what I'll do. He says, I'll say it's history and we should see this. I'll take him to the church of Jerusalem. So he takes his brothers to the church of Jerusalem. Now, to get into this church in Jerusalem, you have to bend down like the church of Bethlehem. It's kind of like, you know, a symbol of humility. You have to bend down to get in there. So this last week, Reuben and his two brothers arrived at the church and they came to the entrance and Reuben, you know, bent down and said, now, come on, you follow me. And he bent down stooped down to go into the church. And when his brothers saw that, they got scared. They turned, they ran away. (laughs) He had to go looking for them. (laughs) So Rachel ran away from Jacob. And that was the start of Rachel disappointing Jacob. Reuben was very disappointed, but he told me he just can't stop laughing about that. Man's heart is naturally in rebellion against God. And man does not want God telling him what to do. So man naturally does not go to God, but goes to someone else to meet his heart needs. And Abraham had those same heart needs, and it became clear that Sarah was not going to meet Abraham's heart needs. So in a sense, Sarah was a disappointment to Abraham, but Sarah was used by God to drive Abraham to God, who became the satisfier of Abraham's heart needs. And Isaac had those same heart needs, and it became clear that Rebecca was not going to meet Isaac's heart needs. So in a sense, Rebecca was a disappointment to Isaac, 
And Rebekah was used by God to drive Isaac to God, who became the satisfier of Isaac's heart needs. And that's what's happening here. As we see Rachel running away from Jacob, we're seeing what Rachel will become to Jacob, a disappointment. A disappointment to Jacob, and Rachel will be used by God to drive Jacob to God, who would become the satisfier of Jacob's heart needs. Now, Rachel, she has no clue as what's happening this day. I mean, she's just minding her own business. She's just getting going out to get water the sheep, the flock, and all of a sudden, the day becomes unusual. <laughs> First, Rachel has this unusual person staring at her. And then next, this unusual Herculean demonstration of strength, moving the rock from the well. Next, this unusual care for her sheep. Next, this unusual kiss. Next, this unusual loud crying like a baby. And next, this unusual pouring out of the heart. And so with all this unusualness, we can see how Rachel's in shock, you know, with who are you, you know? But what does Rachel know? I mean, what does she know? She doesn't know. She just came there tending her father's sheep, and then boom, all of a sudden, this guy drops this big you know, bag of his heart needs in her lap. You lucky gal. But Jacob, he appears out of nowhere with this kiss, and, and she's got this big bag. So this is not easy for us to watch, because Jacob is bringing his bag of heart needs to Rachel. Rachel runs away, and poor Jacob's left standing there. But as we see this, we see ourselves. We see ourselves in Jacob with the same heart needs, and we see God wanting to fulfill our heart needs if only we let him be our God. If only we bring our heart needs as Jacob did to God instead of to someone else. Now, just in case this history may become boring, (laughs) enter in the next interesting character in the history of Jacob's life. Here comes Laban. A very interesting person, very interesting character. Now, what we first read about Laban in verse 13 are these words. Laban heard the tidings of Jacob. So Laban hears the tidings of Jacob. What did Laban hear when it says Laban heard the tidings of Jacob? Well, being another red-blooded male, Laban understood this male problem of trying to find a female to meet the heart needs. So when it says in verse 13 that Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, Laban said, great, what an opportunity. This boy has got great heart needs, and he needs a girl to meet these two needs, and I have two daughters and a lot of work to do. (laughs) So Laban sees his opportunity as he recognizes necessity in Jacob, and Laban now moves into deception. So seeing Jacob's necessity as his opportunity, we read in verse 13, and it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. So now we see Laban in action. Laban runs. They got a lot of runners in those families. (laughs) Very good running. Laban runs. Laban embraces. Laban kisses. So Jacob, he's started a trigger of a lot of people running here. You know, Rachel's running away from Jacob, and Laban is running to Jacob. And if Jacob was smart, he would run. <laughs> he would run away from Laban. But Jacob doesn't run. He stands there and lets himself get hit by the bull. <laughs> Laban comes like a charging bull, and the first thing Laban does is to give him this giant bear hug embrace and then a kiss. 
And Laban was thinking, this boy needs an embrace and a kiss? I'll give him the embrace and a kiss. <laughs> Only Jacob's thinking, that's not exactly the same type of kiss that I had for Rachel. But Laban just sweeps Jacob off his feet. As Laban just probably carried him back to his house. And then we read this last sentence in verse 13, which is, and he told Laban all these things. So we can see from that sentence how Jacob and Laban sit down together in Laban's house, and Laban looks so sympathetic. And he looks into Jacob's eyes, and Laban says to Jacob, you talk to me. I'm your bone. I'm your flesh. He says, tell me what's on your heart. And Jacob thinks, who needs God when I have such a sensitive, sympathetic uncle who's going to help me? And Laban can see what's in Jacob's heart because Jacob's pouring out his heart to, to Laban. Laban's not doing much talking. It's all Jacob here. Talks and talks. But Jacob cannot see. See, Laban can see what's inside of Jacob's heart, but Jacob cannot see what's in Laban's heart. And he can't, Jacob can't see how Laban is, mm, but inwardly he's plotting to take advantage of Jacob and get all this Herculean strength that's penned up in there, not just for moving large stones, but building an empire of wealth for Laban. And this is what Laban is thinking in his heart, but Jacob can't see how Laban is plotting against Jacob. Jacob cannot see what Laban is thinking in his heart of how Laban is going to deceive Jacob. Laban is a deceiver because he's thinking of deceiving Jacob in his heart. But Jacob cannot see into Laban's heart. Little does Jacob know that he should be listening to Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, which Jacob can't see, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart's not with thee. See, there's only one person who can see Laban's heart now. There's only one person who can see how Laban in his heart is planning to deceive Laban, and that person is God. And Jacob has already decided he doesn't want God to tell him what to do. So Jacob's not asking God. And Jacob's heading right for trouble because he's not asking counsel from God, which is what happened when the Hivites came and they lied to Joshua and the elders and they told them, well, we come from a very, very long way. Look, our shoes are worn out. We're in, it took a long, long time to get here. And God had told them, that land that they live on, that's your land. You go take that land, you destroy. But those Hivites deceived Joshua and God knew it. But Joshua, he didn't know it when the Hivites were lying to him. As it says in Joshua 9:11, wherefore, they, this is what they said, the liars, the Hivites, wherefore our elders and our inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, take victuals with you for the journey, go to meet them, say unto them, we are your servants, therefore now make a league with us. This our bread we took, hot for our provisions out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. Now behold, it's dry, it's moldy. These bottles of wine which we filled were new, behold, they're rent. These are garments, our shoes became old, be a reason of the long, very long journey. And then this tragic statement, and the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And what a tragic decision when it says that Joshua and the elders asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Jacob is tragically about to walk right into a trap that Uncle Laban is setting for Jacob. And Jacob, did he didn't have to walk into that trap but it did because Jacob asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Now, in verse 14, we can see how masterful 
Laban is to draw this net. Oh, Laban's good. Around Jacob, when he says these words to just locks Jacob in, he says, Laban said to him, verse 14, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. See, these words, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. That was really something for Jacob to hear that. I mean, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. That was quite a line. I mean, let's all, let's all give Laban a standing ovation. <laughs> I give that man the Academy Award. And you can imagine Laban's daughters, you know, in the background who knew their dad. They knew dad really well. And they were listening to this and they were saying, oh boy. You know, dad just pulled the surely thou art my bone and my flesh line. Dad's got him now. And when Jacob hears, surely thou art my bone and my flesh, Jacob is like the man being seduced by the woman that's described in Proverbs 7, 21 through 23. So Proverbs 7, 21 says, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. And when Jacob hears, surely thou art my bone and my flesh, Jacob thinks Uncle Laban has just called me his own flesh. He wouldn't hurt his own flesh. I mean, Paul said that in Ephesians 5.29. Ephesians 5.29, Paul said, no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourish it and cherish it. And Jacob is thinking, he's gonna nourish me and cherish me because I'm his flesh. When Laban told Jacob in verse 14, surely thou art my bone and my flesh, Jacob was very impressed with Laban. And all Jacob could think about was Laban and how at last he met a person who's different from everyone else. He's not like everyone else that's gonna let me down and disappoint me. See, when Jacob heard Laban say that, Jacob thought, Uncle Laban is so different He sees me at his bone, as his flesh. Uncle Laban is not gonna be like everyone else in my life. Uncle Laban is gonna really going to help me. And Jacob is feeling like he's really gonna be successful in life now, and he doesn't need God telling him what to do. And after Jacob's heard Laban say this, surely thou art my bone and my flesh, we went, and if we went to Jacob, and we said to him, Jacob, are you sure you can trust Laban? Jacob would become so passionate And he would say to me, listen to me, oh yes, he would say, you don't understand. I looked into his eyes, I saw his soul. When he told me, surely thou art my bone and my flesh, I'm so convinced I can trust him. He's willing to help me. When anyone else tells me that, whenever I hear that, you know, someone comes to me and says, oh, you know, whenever I hear that about a business deal, Oh, this man, I can, you know, and all I hear about in this proposal, this business deal is this wonderful man that's, oh, he's not like the others. He's so trustworthy. I just think of this passage. I think of how Jacob saw Laban as so trustworthy and said, you're my bone and my flesh. Whenever one tells me about a business opportunity and just talks a lot about a person behind the business deal, I think of Laban's statement, surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And I say, watch out. Remember how impressed Jacob was with Uncle Laban and how Uncle Laban cheated Jacob. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for recording all of this history down for us, Lord, from these different perspectives so that, Lord, we can learn and this can be so impressed on us that we feel like we have done what Jacob has done and we don't have to do it again. 
And so help us, Lord, to learn from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Looking for an exciting career in the medical field or biotech industry? Join Scanabody's Biologics, founded by a Christian businessman, Tom Cantor. It's a premier company dedicated to advancing patient care and serving the community of San Diego. Scanabody's has global operations and over 700 employees and growing. And if you have a heart for people and a desire to join a leading biotech company, call us 619-258-9300, 619-258-9300, scanabodies.com, that's scanabodies.com.